right now at Kohl's. Take an extra 25% off top active brands, including Under Armour for her. Get Nike shoes for the family, $48.75 and under, and save on Levi's denim for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up and get even more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 25% off Under Armour ends August 9th. Nike ends August 8th. Levi's sale ends August 30th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. This is Sunaina and welcome to the Keep It Alive series by Talksex Alive. In continuation with the series of conversations we are having with HR leaders, people-centric managers and coaches, we bring to you my conversation with Ajit Nair, director of Kincentric, a talent and HR advisory firm specializing in employee engagement, leadership assessment and development. and HR advisory of course now ajit who is likely to introduce himself as a talent advisor and culture curator spoke to me at length on the essence of employee engagement in every organization and its role in managing and aiding disruption the emergence of ex or employee experience and the benefits of linking it with customer experience the challenges organizations face to implement sustainable engagement solutions and how the basics are at reach for every organization regardless of its size the importance of work life balance and how encouraging employees to expand their faculties can in fact help a corporate to de-risk hmm the role of corporates and leaders in inducing and more importantly sustaining a dynamically engaged corporate culture the attributes and skill sets of a new age leader and how leadership is more of a calling to go beyond oneself be it a corporate local or at a global level few that's quite a bit isn't it and hey hang on of course since this is the keep it alive series we also conversed about ajit's passions primarily his love for music playing the mridangam and other percussion instruments as well as yoga and writing as a way of giving back ajit regularly coaches students and ngos and is also part of a citizens action group working towards shutting the deonar garbage dump in mumbai I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Stay tuned. Hi Ajit, lovely to have you on Toxic to Life Keep to Life series. Uh, and this is a brand new series of conversations we are having with HR leaders, people centric managers and uh, thought leaders alike. and it's great to have you you have about two decades of experience in uh, what i consider i think the most important long term investment any company can make the raw material rather the human capital and uh, you've led consulting teams across different organizations in india thailand and malaysia and you're currently leading the engagement and culture practice in india at kincentric 
So would like to begin by asking you the significance in terms of employee engagement at a micro and macro level in an organization. How do you perceive it? Sure. So happy to do this. So engagement has to uh, primarily in an organization serve an outcome. Right. Right. Uh, now, the clarity of what that outcome is, mm. is very important for the organization to define for itself when it tries to pursue engagement. Right. It could be different in mm. different cases. In in hospitality, it could be about delighting every customer who walks in and ensuring that they kind of really come back. Uh, in the case of manufacturing, it could be about ensuring that the right quality of products and services are really delivered. When I look at organizations Today, uh, they seem to really be more or less looking at engagement more from, yes, the right intent is right, uh, but the sharpness of how this serves me uh, is something that's still slightly ahead of most organizations. You know, uh, some might call it, what is the business impact? Uh, but others might call it, do we have enough uh, of an understanding of how this truly works for me? And that is important for organizations to really study uh, and learn from, uh, because finally engagement is an always on journey. And increasingly you have people who are asking themselves this question, what am I doing on constant? Exactly. I'm adding value. Exactly. Right. And you're talking of internal customers here who are, you know, um, who are also very so important from what you're trying to project, of course, to your external customers. But when it comes to your internal customer, uh, I mean, the the quote that says that, you know, you forget what a person tells you or what a person has done for you, but the way a person makes you feel, that's very important. And the same thing with organizations. Uh, so within that context, like we spoke of uh, employee experience, how can we graduate to a level, uh, you know, wherein, like you said, outcomes, yes. you know, so... Where are we still stuck at? I think the the there is there is a fair bit of hard work that needs to get done in terms of saying that how seriously are we going behind this? Right. Right. Uh, now, when we look at employee experience, for example, there is much talk of deploying the right technology mm-hmm. uh, to say, hey, do we have the coolest platforms mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that. Uh, but then you know just focusing on technology is actually putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Because if you don't know what experience you want to land and deliver uh, to your employees or a segment of your employees, uh, you know, then then you pretty much are, it's like the Alice in Wonderland uh, line. You don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, right? And that's a trap because then you could over-invest in certain things, uh, but not have enough of a return come by either in terms of creating the right employee experience and eventually it impacting customer experience. So I think the hard work that needs to happen around this on really thinking this through uh, really imagining how is it that uh, I need my uh, employees to feel what does that look like yeah. so how many of our uh, leaders can really say this is the kind of experience mm. that I want my employees to have mm. and not have just adjectives in there but really be able to describe it right. I don't think enough of that is happening mm. And as a consultant to them, I think I hold myself equally accountable to say, am I challenging them enough to do this? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the the beginning uh, and the first question that needs to get answered. Mm -hmm. Once you've created that, then you can have a strategy to getting there. Mm -hmm. To say, how do I actually reach there? And then you can look at what technology and platforms and other things can come in Mm -hmm. uh, for me to actually deliver this experience. And how do I therefore then stay in touch with them 
also in terms of taking feedback and and things like that so i think long journey ahead right i think what is critical here is more in terms of establishing the intent the why right. part of it Absolutely. the hows i think we always manage to figure how it is you know yes. but uh, yes. what really matters more in terms of you know why is this important exactly. why should we be graduating to that level you know right. and uh, doing so yes i think a long road ahead <laughs> what has been your experience so far but is it even a matter of discussion yes it is it is it is because um the good part is there's a lot happening on the customer experience side right uh, and one has seen that at least a few organizations are starting to uh, almost talk about ex okay. in the same breath mm-hmm. which is useful right because you want to be credible with your as you said the internal customers uh, so that they they then live your brand right but is it happening in a manner that is truly uh, so called linked mm-hmm. to what am i trying to really deliver here right. and and having the why in there maybe not mm-hmm. right uh, and and that's where it's almost like saying that if i have to imagine a certain customer experience uh, can i start to describe a linked employee experience mm-hmm. i want my customers to feel that my brand is innovative yeah. great mm-hmm. what does that mean in terms yeah. of your employee experience right, right. Yeah. so you might say that no, no i want people to have ideas mm-hmm. but that's that's just a thought mm-hmm. what does that mean in terms of experience mm-hmm. so you could think about it in terms of saying i want managers to be uh, more risk taking mm-hmm. right i want to have a culture where there's diversity of thought i want to have platforms where people can pretty much go in uh, put in ideas brainstorm as collectives mm-hmm. and i don't want to have hard boundaries right etc and and how does that look what does that look like in my organization mm-hmm. which is where the brand part of it comes in because there could be others who are innovation focused but in very different ways so i think some of these areas need a lot more thinking through right. and uh, maybe not enough is happening and what are the challenges uh, you think that that's preventing this what are the tangibles that can be even uh, yeah. that we can work around and so i think there's the biggest uh, i would say barrier but challenge seems to be short term thinking right simple as that mm-hmm. where uh, if you are focused on a quarter on quarter right. story uh, you probably are not able to uh, really develop the patience as an organization to mm-hmm. to give something uh, the time to really come into its own mm-hmm. uh, and you start to expect that okay i have put this in place in 3 months things should get better my mm-hmm. my customer experience score should look better if it's a service organization etc but some of these things are culture shifts right, right? they do take time mm-hmm. so i think that's one uh two is there is also the whole question of capability mm-hmm. uh and very closely linked to that is bandwidth right both of these need to get solved for bandwidth is a function of basically saying is this given importance enough right because if it is important enough you will create bandwidth exactly. for it. Yeah. Uh, but the capability question is not as easily answered because it is a space that is that is new in many ways mm. and if i look at who needs to own this it comes to hr by default mm. uh, but is hr really ready right. to design for employee experience i don't know right uh, because hr uh, has has really been uh, always in uh, focused a lot more on delivering on business needs mm. which is great uh, but uh, does hr have the capability to say hey how do i really now given the business needs that are in front of me 
try and imagine a set of employee experiences mm. which will be required to be delivered for me to be able to do this for my business. Right. I think that will require some doing. There are certain organizations, I think, apart from the HR, they also have employee wellness teams sure. who drive this kind of engagement actively. So the good part is wellness is being spoken about. Right. Now, wellness per se essentially means that I'm starting to think of employees as individuals, mm. uh, not just resources right. or role holders. And I'm wanting them to feel good, mm. right? Uh, feel good in various ways, uh, whether it is physical well-being, social well-being, financial well-being, uh, etc. Uh, now, most of these are being run as programs, mm. right? Uh, they are not integrated into a larger whole uh, in terms of saying, how is this adding up to my promise of a certain experience? Mm. And what does this stand for uh, when I say that I take care of your wellness? Right. What does this mean for my brand? Mm. And how do I ensure that I am challenging myself uh, on this and, and becoming a better version of a wellness-focused organization uh, as I go through this journey? Right. I don't think there's enough of that. There's, there's more a programmatic view right. uh, to say, okay, hey, this sounds interesting, relevant, mm-hmm. something else might sound interesting, relevant, etc. Good steps. I, I, I wouldn't criticize it. But as much as saying that, are you really adding it into the larger perspective in terms of how is this giving me a certain brand presence and positioning Mm. you know because ultimately that's what you want to deliver and have your employees carry since you've worked across cultures is it uh, different company cultures as well of course there's a organizational culture there's also cultures across countries so would that is there any difference in terms of maybe an india versus a malaysia versus a singapore if you would know so uh, i i i would say there are more commonalities than differences you know if you look at leading corporates anywhere i think they tend to think the same way uh, and that's also because you're talking about, you know, globally connected organizations working in the same ecosystems, leaders, you know, really being multi-geography leaders, right. people who work out of different markets and geographies. So I don't see uh, too much of a variance. The variance starts to happen a lot more in the employee ecosystem, where if I look at the Indian talent profile today, right. well, there isn't so-called one Indian talent profile, but... I think we are more hungry, mm. we're more impatient. Uh, we also have a chip on our shoulders. Mm. Uh, and we like to believe that, you know, we tend to be, uh, we tend to push ourselves more, right? right? Uh, and and that leads to a certain kind of manner in which workplaces function, mm. right? Uh, good, bad, that's a function of, you know, what the organization right. is, how has it been able to pull it together or not. But say, compared to some of the other cultures in the region, which might be a lot more focused on meaning Mm. at work, Mm. sense of balance, satisfaction, uh, you know, etc. Whereas in India, it's it's a lot more about growth and titles, you know, and and whether I feel that uh, the organization is utilizing my Mm. talents to the fullest, Mm. etc. Have you witnessed any um, impact in terms of what employee engagement or use you know employee experience how it can transform a culture a corporate culture i mean i mean my favorite example is the 2611 uh, taj story right Mm. 
uh, I mean, uh, it was unfortunate that uh, many of their employees uh, really had to, couldn't survive what happened. I mean, that's what I call as uh, emergent behavior. I, I, I did even blog about it then, which is really about, you know, how fundamentally anchored value systems and beliefs and, and a sense of purpose, which are all, you know, pillars on which an engaging culture stands, right. uh, can lead to behaviors which you don't even have a manual around. So that was an exemplary story for me where people just stood up, right? Nobody asked them to, they would have been justified in saving their own lives. Uh, But they went out and really tried to save all their guests. Uh, Now for me, that is the best example uh, as beyond any business impact, right? Right? Where you have employees who are truly ambassadors of a brand and they're basically living the brand as themselves, Mm. right? They don't see the organizational entity as being separate from who they are. I represent this brand. I mean, that's really what most organizations want to achieve, where they want to have every employee feel that if I don't do something right here, I'm letting my brand down. It seems very easy to think about when you just say, but to achieve it Mm. is very difficult. You know, this whole theory of engaged employees leading to engaged customers, I think it's been proven multiple times over. In today's day and age, I think engagement is also going beyond Mm. because engaged employees are also, I think, playing a big role in some organizations in in really readying the organization for disruption or managing around disruption. So these are people who would catch trends early, who would say, you know what? there might be an opportunity here. And it's very valuable because most disruption is is something that it doesn't just, it creeps in on you, right, slowly. Mm-hmm. And before you know, you've been yeah, kind of redefined. Right, right. Uh, so, so employees who are able to catch this early uh, are truly your engaged employees, right? right? Uh, and as long as you have been able to enable them in that direction by giving them a context. So that's the role of leaders to say, hey, what am I expecting of you Mm. in this context? And as long as that is in place, Mm. uh, these are the guys who will really serve you well. It it cannot be engineered. I wouldn't call it engineered (laughs) because uh, that is the big shift. I think that that India, uh, Indian organization, organization in general need to make where... The process lens uh, is giving way to uh, more of a intent, culture, purpose-led lens. Mm. Where processes are done to death, I think most organizations have that in place. It's more about saying, what gives me that delta? Mm. You know, processes will give me consistency and predictability. But that's not what you want today. Mm. It's it's an understood, right? But what gives me that delta? Mm. What gives me that edge? What helps me differentiate myself from the guy next door? Right. And that'll come from an engaged set of employees. And we spoke of, you know, how we are evolving from a competitive to a collaborative, you know, mindset. Uh, that's redesigning our workspaces, you know, moving out of cubicles. We're talking of artificial intelligence. We're talking of uh, machines replacing men and women. What are the skill sets, I think, that we would want or we see in employees apart from the technical aspect of it? So I think, and this is still getting so-called, and I don't think there can be so-called, you know, you say these four things and it's yeah, all taken right, care of. Exactly. But at the same time, some things need, seem to be more important than others. Right. Uh, so one is a certain mindset of 
So what is called a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? right? Carol mm-hmm. Dweck and uh, it's been much right. spoken about. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And a growth mindset really is not about, uh, you know, the, the classic conventional growth, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more about saying that, uh, how am I opening myself up to things that I don't know? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, which could be factual stuff. Mm-hmm. And which could be experiential stuff, mm. right? It's almost like if you place a stimulus on this table, how mm. you talk about it versus I talk about it is different. Uh, and what am I learning based on what you are saying? And what, am I, what are you learning based on what I'm saying? I think that's right. going to be very important. Mm. Uh, because problems are not going to come neatly packaged. Mm. Uh, they're going to be just problems. Right. So you will need to pull in different kinds of mental faculties to solve for problems. And that's where the need for organizational collaboration, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the other is a mindset that is that is agile. And agile is, in my mind, I think it's 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 about being adaptable, mm-hmm. and then speed and other things, uh, because you need not be off the first of the blocks always. But can you really see what's happening mm-hmm. and fine-tune your journey, right? right? Uh, so I think growth mindset adaptability, I think inclusion, inclusion, diversity, mm-hmm. uh, especially inclusion. Right. Uh, because diversity is solved for through numbers, mm-hmm. but inclusion is solved for really through cultures. So how are you really being inclusive mm-hmm. uh, to people who are unlike you? Because that right. gives you a different lens. And two is also inclusion in terms of the stakeholder ecosystem. I think the whole people centricity uh, is going to be vital, uh, whether it is about customers, or about employees. That's where aspects such as design thinking are trying to kind of really come in, right? It's about being centric mm. around who you are trying to solve for. Again, easier said than done, but I think these three, four things will be most vital. And what are the simplest things you think, you know, the basic the basic building blocks of perhaps what can really, or, or you know, mutable factors that we can really take into consideration which you think will really impact? So I think the fundamentals don't go away. Right. That, uh, that's very clear. Absolutely. Right. I think as people, as human beings, we need to feel respected. Uh, we need to feel that we are part of a trusted mm. ecosystem, trustworthy ecosystem. We need to feel heard. Mm. Uh, and we need to feel we have an opportunity to learn and grow. I think these three, four things are not going anywhere. So I think the challenge is, seems to be a lot on these counts, actually. Yeah. Right. Because as organizations become more complex, as the business ecosystem also becomes a lot more hazy, fuzzy, etc. Combine that with shareholder expectations on quicker returns, uh, impatience. uh, It just means that the time spent on what are fundamentals of human interactions Mm. is actually gone, going away. And which is then leading to people... And that's what leads to people being on the fence most mm. times, you know, and, and most times they're talking about, you know, my I don't feel great around my boss. I don't mm. feel X. I don't feel Y. If you kind of probe it, it'll come down to these three, four factors. If this is not in place, none of that is going to work or be sustainable. And so this should be accessible to uh, companies, everyone. everyone, right? Regardless of your size. People are going to go seeking this right. if they don't find it in a particular workplace, mm. you know. Whatever fancy stuff you might do in terms of the workplace ecosystem, titles, money. Mm. But if this is not in place, people are going to walk away.
And since we, I mean, we talk about work-life balance, we speak of employees chasing that third dimension of theirs apart from work. What would you say um, in terms of importance, the significance that an organization commits itself yeah. to developing the employee in that way? Uh, there are organizations which are. Uh, it boils down to again, what is your at a, at a very so-called practical level, what's your value proposition, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but there are organizations, for example, like Godrej, mm. who would really, you know, they talk about the whole self and how do you bring your whole self to work? Uh, and that just means that uh, how do we look at all parts of your right. canvas, really feeling exactly. that, hey, I've got a room for expression, utilization. Uh, I'm encouraged to be more of who I am, etc. Uh, I think there is a... There is a slow move in that direction. I wouldn't say that there are lots of organizations wanting to do this. No. And I don't think that will happen either. Uh, it is uh, the organization as an entity uh, and how it fits in within my ecosystem is increasingly the question mm. for a lot of individuals. Mm. So it's almost like a, I would say, a, I wouldn't call it a power shift as much as a focus shift. Right. Uh, because you have opportunities for individuals to uh, almost like, you know, fine slice themselves and offer different parts or skills to different people. So it's almost like saying segments of one, mm. right? Uh, and and thanks to technology, thanks to how work can happen, it's possible for someone to have five different faculties right. offered to five different. So that's the whole gig economy and, you know, mm. So all of this is happening for a reason. One is it is happening because of the trend that you spoke about, which is really about uh, individuals wanting to really find that expression across different facets of their personality. But at the same time, uh, it also works well for organizations because from an employment model perspective, uh, if nothing else, it helps them de-risk a lot of things. But I think it's, it's fundamentally driven by uh, the need for individuals to find greater self-expression. Mm. So it goes back to the earlier question, yeah. which is about uh, if if I feel that my whole self needs to feel, feel utilized, mm. what's the best way for me to make it happen? Like you say, individuals and leaders, you know, a lot of that comes into their domain and helming institutions and running. Like we have David Solomon of Goldman Sachs, you know, he moonlights as a DJ. Yeah. And he's made some significant uh, changes in within their work culture, in the work culture of Goldman Sachs. And across even various, I mean, Emmanuel Faber of Benone uh, uh, and many others who are trying to break that mold. And they aren't really, you know, they are old school CEOs, but there are, there's also this new school of yes. mindset that's coming yes. in. And they are the ones who are driving this change, you know. So it's like a top, uh, top-down approach again in this whole system. Since you coach uh, executives as well, um, is this uh, is this a, an aspect that you you look at, or is is it still to be there? I think it's still getting there. So one is very clearly one sees leaders uh, themselves wanting to push themselves more into a wider set of, in a way, you know, going beyond the definition of the visiting card and the title, uh, but. Have they been able to really uh, push for organizational ecosystems which are that way? I don't think so, mm. right? Because I think as an economy also, we are at that threshold where, you know, we, we still to hit the big league. Right. Uh, we are at the threshold of entering the mid, mid segment. We are above the 
we are no longer small but you know we've got a long way to go mm. uh, and that seems to be driving a lot of uh, decisions and how organizations are looking at how do i need to be mm. i have my doubts on whether one would see many ceos do that in the india context mm. and also actually encouraging their employees you know giving them that freedom to go i mean it's not like you know okay i've taken off and you yeah, just log yeah. out <laughs> so i'm but not have a healthy sure. work life balance yeah. so know? i'm not right. too sure that's uh, that's as close at hand that we would you know as we would like it to be it it will take time how helpful do you think having a passion can in, uh, help a cxo leader switch off perhaps tap into you know some quiet some retreat from the madness or the chaos which also they tend to thrive in the way i see it is at that level okay. most individuals are are have kind of figured that out for themselves mm-hmm. as to what is it that really helps me uh, be effective right for some it could be just that switch off for others it could be just the fact that they believe that that impact is on and they need to stay connected to that a lot i mean it's almost like you stretch your mind in different ways you know it's it's like saying that you know they say that you need to do a mix of exercises for you know you to be really so called body to be really healthy so i think that applies to the mind as well right uh, because i mean there's enough neurological uh, research yeah. that says that you know what gets used is what gets so called it's almost like a a road right yeah. so if the patterns are the same in terms of thinking then you'll come up with the same stuff so how do you you know kind of really engage the mind in different ways um that i think is is one definition that i'd like to follow from a so called you know switching off perspective because it just i think clears up a lot of cobwebs and there are people who talk about the fact that i get my clarity when i run right. others do meditate yeah, and exactly. figure it out exactly right. you know because it just zones everything else out so i think different people do it but i've seen the awareness around wanting to do it and how it helps you having gone up significantly yeah. and that's good for these leaders and it's good for their organizations actually right. because leaders who are well yeah. uh, will will kind of really drive organizations which are feeling yeah. you know equally well or more so in terms of success um, do you see like a different uh, difference in the perception of success you know in terms of how leaders are pursuing different realms of success perhaps beyond titles and designations that used to be you know it's yeah. no longer like ceo being a ceo it's beyond that it's about how you how much of value you're adding how much of potential you're going to reach how much you're going to enable people to reach that potential increasingly leaders speak of that your views yeah i think that's that that is happening uh, that is happening so i think you know there's a lot more that that needs to happen you know <laughs> again it's about how do you truly offer that in a manner uh, for example if i look at mentorship programs mm-hmm. in india especially uh, you know so i i work with an organization called mentor me india mm-hmm. um, you know where where i'm part of the advisory board mm-hmm. uh, and and we really struggle to get mentors but at the same time if you go to organizations you speak to leaders or anyone uh, you know are you happy to mentor most people will be like, yeah absolutely you know so the whole gap between intent and action mm. uh, i think is is significant mm. so there's a lot of good thoughts out there a mm. lot of strong i would say good intent out there okay. but how does that really get translated mm. 
uh, into viable action uh, that makes an impact. I think that is still, I would say, a gap. And there's no onus. Exactly. Yeah. That's where you start to see or you want to see a lot more of uh, leaders who are looked up to, you know, starting to really channel people's energies and attention in that direction mm. to say, hey, guys, this is a possibility, mm. you know, or you are leaders, you've, you've reached a certain stage. Why aren't you giving it back, mm. uh, etc. I think so that's the larger purpose orientation mm. that I think uh, we need to have. Uh, a lot more leaders step up into right now I see more of a tactical uh, play on that yeah. you know happy to do one session here or one session there mm-hmm. you know and that's done uh, but how do you really make it something that's sustainable something that you're committed to and as a leader you're also getting a lot of others to commit to some of these things mm-hmm. I think that needs a lot more impetus and intent Perhaps that's the most important thing if you're a leader of an organization to get to build people and to get them to that level more than the technical aspects because you will have other brains around you and you need to groom people in that way. But as your role as a leader should be of elevating people to that different level, you know, taking them beyond. And and how do you expand the lens for a lot of your emerging leaders or a lot of the junior folks who might be hearing you? Because as they hear you, as they see you do things... Then they start to see, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. So this is a model, right? Yeah, All of so us kind of, yeah, this is a model, yeah. and and therefore, how do I try and emulate this? At the same time, not make it cookie cutter, saying, yeah. okay, I mentor people, so you should also mentor right. people. No, exactly. I mean, but do what you can, yeah. you know, and do what that kind of works. Your... I think this is what works. Exactly. And when you see someone there, exactly. out there. Uh, like it's, it's really inspiring to know for you know Chandrasekhar how he got in the entire running bit you know he began yeah. and then he did his immediate uh, exactly. you know circle and then the entire fam uh, employees along with their families exactly. it is amazing yes. what it can do which is one that mindset absolutely absolutely and you speak to a lot of the TCS employees you see that you know right. they are really passionate about this uh, a lot of them have taken to running right. in their own ways you know. Uh, but but that's great, you know. So I think those are ways in which you kind of really, I mean, literally lead by example. You know, I think more of that needs to happen. I just thought, what would you say? Is a leader born or made? And of course, I mean, made. Then what are the attributes that are critical in shaping them? And can that be an organic assimilation of these attributes? How do you go about? Grooming leaders in this day and age for the for the future. Somebody who's who's ready to think beyond themselves to begin with, mm. you know, it's the first thing. Right. To and it's a tough one, right? It's not easy to have people who are ready to think for others. But if you have a culture which doesn't breed on a thing of lack beyond the whole hierarchical, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, setup, yeah. perhaps that's what also. I think so, but at the same time. You know, there is the inspirational element, the, the creation of possibilities, uh, the role modeling, you know, the setting of direction, many of those things. But at the same time, I think the stabilization of things is also an important leader role, especially in these times, when I, purely from an organizational view, when there is much disruption, uh, a lot of chaos. Uh, it's important for to have leaders who are also creating a very solid stabilizing role. To say that, hey, this is how I bring 
a certain consistency and predictability to your lives mm-hmm. to the extent that i can mm-hmm. i think that balance that how do i remain stabilizing consistent available mm-hmm. and on the other side how do i inspire create possibilities challenge uh, and then ensure that the, you know i'm i'm creating a lot more leaders mm-hmm. balancing these two mm-hmm. i think is important mm-hmm. you know and from a born and made perspective i think you know it's a calling as i see it mm-hmm. it's a calling to really go beyond yourself and try and do something that's much bigger mm-hmm. which will outlast you now the definition of what that much bigger is could be very narrow in terms of an organizational context mm-hmm. or could have broader aspects in terms of a societal context or a global context and whatever that it may be mm-hmm. but i think those are so anybody who's who's willing to hear that calling and go beyond the ordinary i think has is potentially a leader the functional uh, and and the domain and you know those things kind of are solved for you know in a way uh, and if you reach a certain level of leadership then you probably are more or less good in at something or really good at something uh, but uh, you've got to then look at how am i really helping people make meaning what i see a sense making right. of hey what's happening uh, connecting is a lot about really helping people navigate through for example change mm-hmm. right uh, helping them find the right support systems mm-hmm. resources uh, whether it is for collaboration whether it is for their own development uh, and then you you're looking at helping them with feedback helping them as a coach helping them become a better version of themselves all of these become very crucial so there is you recruit employees organizations are in search of the perfect leader what are the attributes then that you look out for is it just the technical domain expertise does some kind of character bit come also in terms of these kind of leaders who are managing you know adding that third dimension bit like if you have to go to universities an increasing amount of them are not just looking at your uh, gmat levels or your score you know your scores they're looking at have you done a csr some different shades that adds a bit of flavor into your personality do you see this as a trend that's there absolutely i mean i think that that is very answered very easily because uh, yes given the domain given the track record uh, but then a very quick conversations also about hey how does this individual really mm, in stand to potentially inspire our people mm. stand to really uh, you know create a a larger set of possibilities mm. uh, stand to really go beyond the language of the domain mm. or the function um, stand to really be able to balance the priorities mm. of the different stakeholders of the organization Right. because you know and that's also that connector bit mm-hmm. right because you you will have shareholders on the other side you might have regulators you have the board you have your immediate leadership team mm-hmm. you have the larger set of employees you have your customers and you have your partners how does this person really hold that ability to navigate connect uh, serve to inspire serve to also be seen as that stabilizing it i think all of this has been looked at a lot because the one thing that is a certainty is that the organization's journey is not predictable mm-hmm. but how can i have a leader who creates and drives an ecosystem where people feel that hey 
irrespective of the wobbles mm. we broadly are in a safe hand i think that's that's being seen as more and more critical mm. because wobble will happen yeah. there will be challenges yeah, when i look at the actual trend co tenures are going down mm. right because there's that sense of impatience returns yeah. and all that but the ones who are really doing well are the ones who have been able to actually do this easier said than done but i think it is it is a differentiating factor so now that we've spoken of all of this you know yeah. we spoke we we'll speak about time you know in terms of time management um how critical that is in the consulting business obviously one is led a lot by our our commitments to our clients which are really are right up there but at the same time the 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 time to switch off the time to kind of really focus on what is it that gives me the energy to be able to sustain this uh, is something that i'm that i consciously focus on so whether it is through uh, my writing or whether it is through my practice of yoga um or a bit of music all of that pretty much helps me as i said you know so called stretch my mind uh, engage a different set of faculties uh and and from a time point of view i think a lot of this obviously happens on the weekends uh and i do look at it as a set of commitments so i'm very cautious and conscious rather of uh where is it that i'm saying yes earlier there would always be oh someone's reaching out to me i have to say yes mm. but now i am a lot more conscious in terms of uh yes even if i say yes but i'm setting very clear mm. expectations of what i can do and what what i can't do mm. yeah, and for leaders it's increasingly difficult because everyone wants a slice of you of exactly. the time actually exactly <laughs> and you you exactly. got to you know balance, balance therefore know where to say no draw clear lines yeah. otherwise something will give and it's not sustainable coming to you in sure. terms of um, you know your journey so far it's quite interesting that you did your post graduation at nmims in advertising communications and you were also an electrical engineer so how come How were you yeah. how do you get into this <laughs> so is this happen is this accidental actually okay uh, so i see myself as as a student of human insight uh, it's just that i have probably done it in a few contexts so when i was doing my advertising mba uh, from narsimonji the whole uh, dri- big driver then was you know so i'm clever with words and uh, so i'll i'll probably be able to you know write advertising or at least shape creative in a way that will be truly so called catchy at the same time you know connect with people uh, but then uh, i realized that the draw was a lot more towards you know understanding people and in depth and and at that time market research uh, which is about consumer insights right. drew me in and i got a campus placement and all of that um, i did that for about 5 6 years um, and then i just chanced upon uh hr actually mm-hmm. and and i came into it more from a i would say functional lens of being able to do surveys and being a survey specialist okay. but soon realized that hey this is a this is rich mm-hmm. right and there's just so many possibilities in here mm-hmm. and and that's when i took to you know understanding it more uh and there was just so much of data available right because we i was doing surveys for many organizations Uh, and each organization therefore had a story mm. uh, so that was fascinating and as you connected with people you realize that hey this is so different from what you would have assumed and thought mm. and then it took to coaching uh, you know and that for me was the more ready impact 
where you're sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone and you're kind of really uh, helping them find a pattern, yeah. uh, see some part of themselves which they might not be fully aware of, mm -hmm. uh, help them solve a problem. Uh, what energizes me most is, the, is that insight, is that understanding of, hey, what makes this person tick? Mm. And or at an aggregate level, therefore, why does this organization mm. do so well? Uh, what does it do right? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, the, so it's it's not been a planned journey. It's a journey that I've kind of evolved into. Yeah, I think it's been pretty interesting, yeah. to say the least. I'm sure. <laughs> Talent advisory, uh, like we yeah. were mentioning yeah. as yeah. well, is, it's not niche in, in the sense, but it's also at a, yeah. it, there's so much to evolve, isn't it? Yeah. In India especially. Yes, there's there's huge potential there too. <laughs> so when you look at you know what we do as as concentric, uh, the whole approach of you know working with individuals and teams to really you know be successful and perform at their best uh, is a lot about driving this whole I would I won't call it evangelization but advocacy towards looking at talent right. uh, in a manner that it serves to be uh, of strategic advantage. And looking at cultures in a manner that they really serve your organizational strategy rather than a set of activities and right. nice things, mm. right? So that's the journey and that's what we've been doing. And even in our previous avatar as part of Aon or now as Kincentric, uh, Spencer Stewart organization, which is focused on this globally. And what energizes me there and what gives me the most so-called sense of optimism is the fact that uh, organizations want to do this, Right. It's more about uh, they want to be handheld. They want to be yeah. really, you know, in a way guided and coached on how do I really work with my leaders, uh, my managers who might become leaders mm -hmm. and therefore my high potentials and things like that to make them ready for the future, yeah. you know, so that it's kind of a win-win. They feel great about it. And the organization has talent that's ready to kind of really pick up the growth that's coming their way. And you have leaders who are already part of the culture, so you don't need to solve for that, etc. Right, that's great. Like we said, that they feel the need for it. Exactly. You know, that, that it is important. Correct. That, right. uh, yeah, apart from just having conversations that we need to, Absolutely. you know, move to the next phase. Exactly. That's what's uh, encouraging, I think. Right. <laughs> great. So, um, I mean, since we are talking about Keep It Alive and sure. we talk about work-life balance and passions and we, you just spoke about uh, writing, yoga yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, music. I think you play an instrument. I play the drums. The Congo, was it? Or? So I play the Congo drums. So I dabble in my various instruments, yeah. you know. So uh, I've learned only one of them formally for a while, which is the Mridangam. Mm -hmm. But uh, since then, I've just picked up various... So it's almost like, you know, if your hands or fingers are ready for it and your sense of rhythm, then you pretty much figure most instruments out. So that's what I've done. And I think it it helps because it's, for me, it's also a huge stress buster. It is, you know, I, I've realized that, that and I can do it forever. So is that meditation for you like we spoke of? Do you get into that zone? Uh, I do. I do. No, I wouldn't say always. That would be... Of course, not you know, always. But, but, but I do. I do. Right. And it, it helps. And now I think yoga is kind of really also getting there. So when I do my headstands or whatever, mm. um, I do feel that zoning out. That's the closest that I've come to in terms of that whole concept of thoughtlessness. Mm. You know, where you've just zoned yeah. out. Yeah. And I think it, it, it say in the case of yoga, for example, it, it came from a, that it came from that zone between fear and challenge. Exactly. Yes. You know, where you, you, you're kind of fearful, you're but you're fearful. also ready to challenge yourself. 
and therefore you want to focus so much mm. that you want to get it right because one is you want to get there sure. and two is on the downside you don't want to kind of really <laughs> you know like sprain yeah. your neck or whatever and what do you write as in you write poetry i write poetry i write blogs uh, i write i write on linkedin on more yeah, sort of work related aspects but not really work work directly poetry is just and it could be anything so how do you view success personally ajit good question <laughs> certainly not titles right. um certainly not money um i think and and that's been like a guiding principle i think it's about making a tangible difference if that's about helping someone be a better version of themselves uh, that's it i think that broadly encompasses all my passions you know so whether it is coaching i love i do coaching oh, i didn't mention right. that i i do pro bono coaching uh, on weekends of uh, anyone who wants it that's my way of you know just helping people mm-hmm. you know find that clarity for me i think that's the the guiding light that how do you you know make a tangible difference mm-hmm. through you know helping people uh, connect better with themselves and, and you know then find their direction i mean that's as simple as that Uh, in fact i just it just reminds me i read something on your linkedin um profile that you're a contributor and activist and uh, part of the citizens action group working towards uh, shutting the deonar right. uh, garbage dump the dumping ground in terms of you know uh, combating the pollution around so how did that come about what do you do really so that that basically was just a crisis call right so i stay in the area right and uh, 2016 the whole thing was was pretty bad right mm-hmm. i mean i mean there were these crazy fires and right, the right. whole area was and more was smog smogged out and pollution levels were 350 and whatever it's much better now i think yeah so i like to take some credit <laughs> so we we kind of really as a citizens group um, so it's been a very active yeah we just like pulled the whole roof down literally uh, we petitioned the Uh, the chief minister we met him we met the bmc commissioner rounded him out and we realized that it's too complex a set of variables mm-hmm. uh, for it to just get solved right, right. so uh, but at the same time there were things that could be fixed mm-hmm. so that you know it isn't a disastrous scenario right and that is what has happened mm-hmm. right so there isn't like a permanent solution yet but at least the mitigating right. measures mm-hmm. which prevents fires which ensures that uh, you know that's a basic caretaking mm-hmm. element uh, is has come in there like what actually like you know you need to have peripheral security mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of these fires are uh, sometimes in summers they are self emulating which yeah. is this methane exactly. emerging and mm-hmm. so you need to have means of monitoring the dump and the dump is like say you know 15 stories high if you actually stand yeah. below it um so how do you ensure that and it's got it's almost like a hill and a valley scenario so if there's a fire that started in the valley there how do you monitor it mm. right so now there are cctvs mm. uh, there is there is a boundary wall mm. so there's this because the boundary wall is required because uh, sometimes there are people going in they're just doing some yeah. you know mischief uh, they also say that the rack pickers around there to extract metal would sometimes set fires and fires, those yeah. would just catch on uh etc right so how do you just ensure that that management of the dumping ground is taken care of which i think has happened now to i mean due credit to i would say the bmc uh, in in getting at least that bit done 
But obviously, the larger question of how do you treat so much of garbage? And how do you ensure that you're not just dumping it there mm. and just pressing it into the ground? And uh, that question remains. Nevertheless, I think it's really commendable. And we end this um, nice conversation that we'll have with you with this question. Uh, what would you like to keep alive in you, Ajit? I think my, my connect with my conscience. Okay. It's as simple as that. Because I think all the answers are there. So whatever that I might be doing, if I'm able to remain connected to my conscience, I think I'm being true to myself. The rest then falls into place. As long as you're not silenced it altogether. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that happens, right? Because you've got, you've got so many reasons, so many judgments, so many self-imposed have-nots or whatever, right. which will make you kind of susceptible to that. So uh, uh, that's one thing that I've realized, which is why I said that that whole, you know, title and money thing. So that's that's a voice from my conscience and that won't go away. So yeah, so keep my conscience truly active and alive and stay connected to it. Wonderful note to end this conversation with. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your time, Ajit. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Anna. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. off top active brands including Under Armour for her. Get Nike shoes for the family 48.75 and under and save on Levi's denim for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up and get even more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and kohls.com. 25% off Under Armour ends August 9th. Nike ends August 8th. Levi's sale ends August 30th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.